Gaming MBS episode 55. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a podcast where we talk about tabletop RPGs and other miscellaneous topics of geekery. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. And for anyone joining us for the first time, hello. Glad to have you on board. All right. Yeah. Welcome aboard. And so, shall we start? Yeah, we've got a couple announcements, nothing too heavy. First one, um, Encoded Designs. These are brothers from uh, the old misdirected Mark end of things. They're out in uh, Buffalo, New York. Um, the encoder design teams have their character cash is live on Patreon. We have a link in the show notes. Go to patreon.com forward slash encoded designs. And we'll find these guys. Looks pretty cool. Um, now that they're live and kicking, I'm thinking I'm going to have to get in there and throw, throw those guys a bone or two. It looks like some good stuff. So check those guys out. Link in the show notes and in our Google Plus community. We've uh, been sharing it like mad. Um, the other piece is Mr. Chris Nizak from Misdirected Mark. Uh, he is aged. He has indeed aged. One more year, the cycle has uh, has completed. But we still love him, so that's good. Even though he's a little bit older now, we're assuming that he's even the wiser than he was before. So happy birthday, Mr. Snezak. A little late, but happy birthday, sir. Yeah, happy birthday, Chris. The sneeze. Any other uh, any other announcement there, Mr. Sean? I don't think I have any announcements, Brett. No, nothing else. Um, we're not quite close enough to really be screaming about uh, game hole quite yet. So that'll start. That'll start soon. Yeah, I have to get hot and start writing up my characters and adventure for my games. <sighs> Hate prep. <laughs> All right, let's do the random encounter bit, brother. Random encounter, where we field comments from emails, voicemails, and social media from you. First one, Bruce Cunningham via G+, writes, A bit late, I know, but I just finished listening to episode 5-0. Yeah, I know I'm a little behind, but someone told me to start at episode 1 and go from there. Congrats, and keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Bruce. I wonder where he heard that from. I'm not sure. But if you don't know what he's talking about, the best thing to do is start at episode one and listen forward. That's right. That way you can catch all the magic in the order it was designed. And it's a story. So if you follow along, if you follow along, you won't get lost. It'll make more sense. At least that'll, this will give you the opportunity to, to determine, is there a method to our madness or is it just madness? So <laughs> anyway, next one. Who? this is another long one from Eric Farmer. Threw this one out in our Google Plus community. Sean, you want me to take this one? By all means. <clears throat> Excuse me. Whew. I have to take a little, uh, little throat moistener, more beer here. Hang on. Yeah. Ah, that's good stuff. All right. Character Death, episode 53. Um, he asked the question, why have non-voluntary death at all? Let's get the obvious counterexamples out of the way. DCC and the funnel, paranoia, the final girl and dread all play with a concept of PC death in ways that fall, uh, that fall outside of what we normally talk about. They're having their own discussion with, with this topic. Moving on with the PC death, what does PC death do for us? Quote in game, unquote, it's ostensibly there to provide the thrill of danger, but I'm not sure uh, that's what it does. Death can be dramatic, but often it comes randomly at the whim of the dice. Maybe that's, quote, realistic, unquote, but is it fun slash interesting? Death is often the consequence of poor play, i.e. making tactical mistakes, acting rashly slash foolishly, failing to anticipate the dangers ahead. Death gives us the thrill of danger, drama, and consequences, but is that actually what it does? The answer is sometimes, but not reliably enough to be counted on. The fear of PC death, especially when the players have high investment in their PCs, either time-created or emotionally, often leads not to thrills, but to indecision and turtling. Uh, Brett B. has played enough Call of Cthulhu to have had players say, quote, I'm not going into that basement. There's monsters in there, and they'll eat me. Let's just burn the building down, unquote. Yeah, I've seen, <laughs> I have indeed seen that, most definitely. 
Um, back to the message here. It's a classic Call of Cthulhu move, and it's boring. The story's in the basement, so stop protecting protecting your fictional antiquarian and get in there. Oh, the dramatic death, uh, the backup dream for any adventurer. Obviously, um, the first dream is the Conan path. The second is the Boromir path. Either you play a game that causes you to die from a random exploding die or a series of critical hits, or you play a game that makes it nearly impossible to meet your maker. The dramatic death is a fickle mistress, and that's the problem. Well, that's a problem, excuse me. Death as a consequence is the nuclear option that all GMs have. As a remedy for poor play or out-of-game play, it, falls to, it fails to instruct because it is punitive rather than corrective. If anything, it teaches that action will get your PC killed, and that leads to turtling. Brett and Sean got into non-death consequences toward the end, and these provide danger and create story opportunities. So what's Eric on about with voluntary-only death? The advantage to a mechanic for death in games is largely illusionary. We want the thrill that we could die without actually wanting to suffer the actual fate until we're ready. If you put PC death in the hands of the players, um, they can choose whether they are willing to accept it at the moment it happens mechanically or not. In combination with the GM providing non-death consequences and hard choices, this can be just as potent and dramatic and much more reliably. This can also be uh, done on a player-by-player basis with whatever people think is right for them. Whew. Sean, what do you think about that? <laughs> I think that, uh, I don't know, man. It It is largely illusionary, but... I don't know. What do you, I mean, what are you going to do? I think Eric's got some very good points. And this is one of those things that it's hard because you sound like you're equivocating like, Oh, I really want to have death in my games, but I want to make sure that it's a certain type of death. It's a very narrative drama filled death. Um, which gets into our, you know, joke, why even roll the dice, you know, blah, blah. So I get it though. And there is one of the things I had thrown out on the, um, on the Google Plus uh, thread that he put there, it's one of the cool things I like about Gumshoe and Trailer Cthulhu is you have um, drives. Your your character has something built into them that makes them go down into the basement where the story is. They can't avoid the danger. They have a drive. They have something about them that makes them go forward, even if it might be dangerous or could possibly lead to death. I do get it, though. There is something really cool about it, and I think that's kind of what... Sean, I'll probably be talking about a little bit more today, the story angles about things. So it's a good it's a good thought um, that Eric has here, and I'm not 100%. I don't have my brain fully wrapped around it. I've been noodling on it for a couple of days here, Eric. So um, it's good. I mean, this is the type of thing that I, I love getting back from listeners. It's something that makes me stop and go, hmm, I'm not sure. Do I huh, – what, what's Eric What's Eric saying? Does Is that really what I want to do? Should I change how I'm playing or something like that? So it's it's good. Thank you very much, Eric. I appreciate the time you put into this one. Good stuff. Indeed. And back to you, Sean. You got the next one. Michael Phillips on G Plus regarding episode 29. Actually, yeah, Google Plus. Episode 29, going way back. The perfect RPG. That's what we talk about. He says, I buy new systems in large part because I want to find the bits I can scavenge for my games or because I want to see how a new approach to an old problem worked. See Lords of Gossamer and Shadow, even though I own Amber Diceless. Yep, Lords of Gossamer and Shadow is basically the new and improved incarnation of the original Amber Diceless game system, at least as seen by many of the Amber players out there. You sound so smart when you explain that. I do. I practiced. I was in front of a mirror studying this before I did it, so... Anyway, carry on. So you point out Robin Laws is a person who does a lot of theme-first RPGs, Know what other games he worked on? Two little games called Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 and Dungeons and Dragons 4th Ed have sections either written by him or based on earlier things written by him. The 3.5 DMG2 was a whole DMing section uh, by him at the beginning, and the 4.0 DMG2 has his work in it. And the DMG1's player types material is based on his work, even if he didn't write the specific section. Absolutely. And both Robin and uh, Ken Height were both um, contributors in a way to D&D 5e. That was, uh, they, they've got um, credit in there from uh, being a, not necessarily a contributor, but a consultant in that space. So when we were talking about that, if memory serves right, I may have to go back to one and listen forward. Uh, if memory serves correctly, we were talking about Robin's uh, feng shui game 
and uh, Rune and some of the other ones that he's done, which tend to be more when you think Robin Laws, that's what I think of. I don't necessarily think about his D&D work. So that was the reasoning for us talking about it at that point, if I recall correctly. But good stuff, Michael. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. All right. Word from our sponsor. I'm Phil from Misdirected Mark. And I'm Chris from Misdirected Mark, the podcast which is slightly less amazing than gaming and BS. Carrying all these dice in my hands, plus all this beer and cheese to take to my awesome gaming group in northern Wisconsin is hard. There must be a better way. Fear not, Phil. The show's sponsor, Michael Allhauser of Great Odd Dice Bags, makes awesome bags for dice. Wayne the Ewok told me you could run one over with a motorcycle and your dice would still be ready to roll. Those guys would know. They also have the dual drawstring and you can get custom colors and art printed on your bags. Like a misdirected Mark logo? That's right. So head over to www.etsy.com backslash shop backslash grayed out or check the link in the show notes and use the gaming MBS promo code to get a 10% discount on your order. Thank you, Michael, for sponsoring the show. Get a dice bag. Absolutely. Or... Or five. Or face flogging. Or fa- Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> it's one of our Patreon award levels. <laughs> Patreon award level is flog the unparticipant listener. <laughs> oh, let's go into the topic, shall we? Let's do it. This is a story about Billy Joe and Bobby Sue. is a story all about how my life got flipped turned upside down and i'd like to take a minute just sit right there don't listen to it crows are all liars i know a story about a crow i hate your story (laughs) what a story mark yeah you can say that again Right. Are we ready? I think so. All right. So S. John Ross is a game designer, writer. Um, he's done a number of different things over the years. Uh, he's on Google Plus. He's had his um, The Blue Room, his uh, website, which has been out forever. Um, he did Russia uh, for GURPS, for Steve Jackson Games. He's done a ton of things in that space. And I follow the guy, and I number of years, long time back, I wrote an article where I uh, was able to talk with him and pull some uh, poll quotes that that I did about PDFs and RPGs and stuff, God, like 10 years ago. But anyway, I was listening to, listening to, reading one of his posts, and this grabbed my, my, uh, my brain here. So I'm just going to quote directly from what he said on his Google Plus feed. So <clears throat> S. John says, quote, so the thing is, even in traditional RPGs, I don't game for story. I'm pretty transparent about it. If you look at my work, my preferred points of focus, characters, problem-solving, exploration, role-playing, emotion, tone, free of narrative goal, focused on the subjective fictional perspective, that's what gets the love. Story just isn't something I want in a game. I don't want it. You want it? Awesome. I don't. You use some of my stuff to pursue it? How cool is that? Rock on. I don't. But whenever this comes up, the response ranges from some level of surprise or disbelief to recommendations for games that focus on story often accompanied by the declaration that I obviously totally want story. And it's just some kind of semantic confusion. So for those of you who have uh, read anything by us, John Ross or what he's put out in um, the gaming sphere, he's normally not semantically confused. <laughs> if he's, he's making a statement like that, it's bold, it's declarative and um, he's not bullshit either. That's pretty much what he means. Unless I'm completely um, misreading the man and everything else that he's ever said about it. So so I read that, and based on kind of the last couple episodes we've had, kind of since episode 50 moving forward, we've been talking kind of thematically about different components, um, death and, and some of these things that where we say, well, what type of story do you want to play? What type of story? What type of game does your, what type of story does your game allow for? And so forth. And our brothers over at Misdirected Mark, we, they talk a lot about story or components of it. We talk about story beats and all these things. I thought, you know what, there is, when I think back to when I first started playing, I didn't game for story at all. It, I didn't sit down and, with my friends and say, hey, we're going to tell this really cool story. 
No one ever said that. What? That, wasn't a, that wasn't a, <laughs> that was not a thing in our language when it came to playing D and D or you know uh, Shadowrun or whatever the hell it was that we're playing. So, Sean, before I go any further, what what is that? When I read that out there, when you read it, what do you think? Does that hit you anywhere? Hits me in the gut, man. When you tell me you don't play for story, I mean, it just makes me keel over and <laughs> makes you sad. somebody hit me in the balls. Nice. <laughs> How can the WGG whatever group not not game for story? No, I'm not saying I don't do it now. Oh, you do now, I'm though. Not I'm not saying I don't do it now, but I was thinking back, you know, and reading this thing from S. John. And um, anyway, so the other piece of this before I go too much too deeper into it here is so I did the whole I'm going to look up story as a word. What the hell does it does it mean? The story is defined as either one, an account of imaginary or real people and events told for entertainment, or two, an account of past events in someone's life or in the evolution of something. I think other people have said this before, kind of interchangeably when it comes to RPG stories, that story is the result of the game of play, right? The story is the thing that you end up with. It's an artifact generated after the role-playing session is done. Um, I would concur. <laughs> Now, that said, though, I wonder if, and I'm not positive if, I, if I'm right here or wrong, it's kind of musing about this, am I or we as gamers sometimes perhaps putting too much focus on making sure that we end up with a really good story? And by that, I mean, we, I, I get that we look at <clears throat> story beats um, themes and things and through lines and how we want to make sure the game is organized. These are great organizational tools for a game master, even as a player, to be able to observe how stories work and function and grab onto them and, and all that during play. But is it possible or are people conceivably focused so much on the story aspect of it that they're no longer playing the game, that they're so worried about the story that that's actually getting in the way? So I think this kind of goes to a little bit of what um, Eric Eric Farmer was saying. <clears throat> you know, why have non um, basically why have random death? Why not have player driven death? And I really do like having player agency. I like players to be able to feel like they're in control of stuff and be able to do different things. But is does does the story sometimes get in the way of actually playing the damn game? Hey, there's nothing wrong with pl- uh, players thinking that they have some control. <laughs> thinking, thinking I just want to, I just want to put that out there. That that's okay. Brett wants to empower them. I get it. Right. Say, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Wait, say I no want more. Them to, I want them to feel empowered, oh, whether they are right. empowered or not. Well, yeah. I mean, you can lead a horse to water, but true. Um. So here, this is the thing about this topic is that it's going to depend on the game you're playing because there's actually games that are categorized story-based games. Some may refer to them as the hippy-dippy games. Yes. Some, some may refer to them as independent published games. Some may call them Forge games. Some just may well, I mean, call them you look at it, You look at, um, see, here's the deal, though, is that it's... Fate is not an independent, I mean, well, I guess, here, here's the thing. I mean, the, the it's a hobby industry, right? Unless your name is Wizards of the Coast or Paizo, and even Paizo is much, much smaller than uh, Wizards, Wizards of the Coast, com- comparatively speaking, because they're connected to Hasbro and all. But um, <clears throat> where am I going with this? I'm wondering, because we'll be playing D&D, we'll be playing Rollmaster, uh, vampire, whatever it happens to be. And people are like, oh, we really want to make sure, you know, oh, that was a good, how do I do this? We want to make sure we're using all these great story elements in the development of our game. And we want to make sure that we include these story elements in the game to make sure that people have these great um, feature sets. And sometimes I wonder if, for me, and this is a bit of self-reflection, but as a game master, sometimes I'll find myself, I'm like so overly focused on is this a good point in this current storyline to have this thing occur instead of falling back 
to Robin's laws of good game mastery, where he would say, what's the most interesting fucking thing you can do right now? You know, ninjas burst through the door, ninjas burst through the damn door. Does something have to, does everything have to have this overarching through line? Does it have to have the feel and uh, approach to our games that a story does? Because RPGs are not novels. RPGs are not, I mean, the closest thing they come to, in my opinion, is kind of the uh, improvisational theater, right? So I wonder if sometimes we're forcing a constraint on our game. Or maybe and when we say we, I'm talking about me. I should say me. Is Brett forcing a constraint on his game to ensure that a story happens a certain way? Sean, what does this make you think of? Am I just you just get you sleeping on me there? What are you doing? Um, I don't know, man. It's pretty deep topic. I think that. I think that the story is the residual outcome of the game the game gaming. So I think it's going to be a matter of you run the game and then what, what occurs and what is the end result and the talk of what occurred is the story. So I think that so a lot of people think like you game for the story. You're, you're the, the, you know, I'll do it for the story's sake, or, you know, I want to die for the story, or I want to do this because it's story, or it's good for the story. And I think that's fine. I think you just kind of, I think it's getting into, uh, I think it's getting into uh, a bunch of hooey freaking bullshit, Brett. I think that's what it is. <laughs> nice. Let's just cut to the goddamn chase. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about this crap, right? Because I think what when you sit down and you're gonna be like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna game, and you got your characters, and you might have a GM that says, hey, what do you have for a background, uh, to t- to tie things into maybe some plot points or something for the GM to to kind of grab onto and maybe incorporate for the story or whatever, right? But say you get that, and then I think. As the game develops, then you, I mean, after first, second, fifth session, and you start getting into the, the players and the dialogue between the characters and what problems they're out to solve, then I think you look back and it's it becomes a story. So I, I think you can maybe, impl- so when, I, when we do something and I, I say, hey, you know, that's pretty cool. Go ahead, make that happen or, you know, roll. Or yes, you can do that and it happens and you see this and it's really great. That is part of the narrative story that is the end result. But I don't I wouldn't sit down and go, We're gonna we're gonna all come together and we're gonna make a story. I think it's kind of like putting a cake together with all these ingredients. You put it in the freaking oven and you pull it out and you put frosting on it and you go this is freaking cake, man. But before that, it was all a bunch of shit you just put together. So one of the things you said there is kind of the the predetermined outcome. Like, look, I'm going to have a cake at the end of this. And um, so just kind of confession time, if you will. My last session I ran with my group, my my Wasa gaming group with Kevin and some of the guys up there, is Kevin got a hold of me afterwards and said, hey, Brett, you know, it was kind of uh, basically he said kind of railroady. And it was really good feedback. I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't like the session. I wasn't quite sure what it felt like. Kevin put some really good thoughts in front of me so I could kind of dissect what I had done and how I could um, fix it. So I continued to think about this for like the last month, month and a half between game sessions. <clears throat> and this thing by S. John Ross around not gaming for the story. If I look back, I think what I was doing and whenever I have been railroading game master wise is I'm forcing a story to occur. And there is there's a danger to me as game master when I'm going to tell a certain story and you're just there. We've talked about this before, right? Where the game master's like, "Look, I have a story to tell. Hope you all get on board the Sean train, and we'll just get to the end of it." Hell yeah, you know. Um. So what I did was the characters are going through, and then I forced them down a certain path. It was very much bam, 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 and they didn't really. There was not a lot of agency or whatever variation of that term you want 
And part of it was because I, Brett, wanted to get through this piece of the story to get on to the next piece. Well, sometimes the players want to linger in a chapter, if you will, using that type of story language. They want to linger in that chapter for a long time. They're having a lot of fun in this space. They want to adventure more. They want to poke around more in the dungeon. They don't want to shortcut anything. They're not they're not bored with it or, or whatever it is. <clears throat> so I think um, when we talk about if story, if you look at story as the artifact that, that's generated at the end of the game, if you game with that in mind, I think you're going to have less, in my opinion, I'm going to have less railroading, or at least I'm going to railroad you less. If I think about, if I think about that in the front of my mind, as I lay out what's going on for that evening, it's a series of really cool things that are, that are interconnected, hopefully interconnected at the right points. There's probably <clears throat> some inconsistencies along the way. Cause you know, there's no way to make it perfect. But I think if we take as game masters, if we try to force a story on top of stuff, I think that's when it gets really railroady feeling. And I think that, um, it's a, it's a, uh, da, 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 da. it's it's a rookie mistake, if you will. You know, when you when you really want to make sure that you get a good story. And sometimes for me, it actually can come of I've read two, one too goddamn many how to make a better story in your game articles. I'm like, oh, I want to try to use all 15 of these really cool advice things that I read from these guys and cram them all in at once, and it just always always falls flat on me. Uh, I think so, Sean. Yeah, do you do you game do you game for story? Uh, I don't know if I, I, you know, I think with uh, S. John, what's the S stand for? I wonder. I cannot recall. I met him once, and I and uh, I was told I don't remember the S. Anyway, uh, I think with him uh, in in what he has stated, um, I don't think he is. I don't think he's out there. I don't think he's like, oh man. <laughs> I mean, that guy, he's crazy. Like, and I don't think that. I don't know if. I understand where people are maybe surprised because he doesn't game for story, but I think the way he is outlining that, um, that could be any GM. Like they could say that and the players may be like, wow, that's really kooky. Um, not gaming for story, but you're doing it for role-playing emotion, tone, free of narrative goal, focused on the game, etc." I think if you kind of do some of those things the outcome again is the story it's the tale i guess it's what it's when you sit down and say what happened last session and then you tell the story so it's like an intentional or non-intentional thing the regardless is you you spit out a story of some kind i don't know there's an interesting piece now my buddy is able to tell you that he loves he's a character player he loves making characters that these really cool backgrounds and concepts and theories and he wants to watch that character grow and change through time now he does not take that as a how do I do this? So he makes the character. It fits the it fits the setting, it fits the adventure based on whatever parameters I've given him. And Zave's off and running. Zave does not say, Well, <clears throat> I won't make this decision for my character because I don't think that's good for the story. I don't think I should die now because in a, from a story perspective, that's not how my character should die. I think he should die in a better way. Or I don't think I would do this. He looks at everything from his character's growth perspective and saying, look, I want to solve problems with my guy. I want to be able to um, to grow the character. Hey, I learned something new and I took a totally different path. I, you know, I was all built to be, you know, king of the druids and halfway down the halfway through this dungeon adventure. I, you know, decided to change. and I'm I'm a barbarian now. And again, if story is an artifact that's generated after the fact, he's fine with that. But I think <clears throat> I think Zay's love of character development is more than the actual overall story. He's part of a thing that's happening, right? So there's always a story to be told. That artifact will be there regardless. But that's not his focus. His focus is on making sure that he's playing true to character in whatever environment and whatever challenges are put in front of him. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, well, think, right on, Zave. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. I, yeah, man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, I think that if if somebody says I don't RPG or role playing game and I don't really care about the story, um then what's the what's the what's the point in a in a plot? What's the point in um 
uh, doing those things that Dave likes. What's I mean, hey, let's bust out some miniatures and play Warhammer 40K or Fantasy and call it a day. Shit, even those guys have scenarios. I mean, I mean there's there's some, a thing in Warhammer 40K that talks about quote you must forge the narrative. You know, yeah. you, everything you do should forge a narrative of some sort. They they try to get into I that a little think, bit. I don't think a lot. I don't I mean I think people play that game and they don't they don't want to do that and that's okay. True. I mean that's the kind of, they sit down, roll out the felt, and slap some obstacles down in their miniatures and roll out their tape and. So I guess maybe a so different. If you're not way familiar with 40k, is. I just explained it to you in like three <laughs> seconds. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so maybe a different way to look at it, and Zave will correct me when I see him this next weekend if I'm wrong. You should but... speak entirely upon Zave's behalf. I shall. I shall. From this point forward, I will speak on Zave's behalf. That's what I'll do. Yes. Um, I think so. Players like him that I've gamed with over the years, perhaps the character development is the the story they're telling you about their character. It's not that they don't care about the rest of the plot line or everything else. It's kind of a biography that they're work that they're working on. They're working on this character's biography. If we're going to use the story uh, kind of story analogy, which is a story it is, but that's the only one that they're really concerned about making sure that they do cool stuff. That's true to their personality and so forth. Exploration of that character's development. Well, maybe if they go further, it may feel as though they're taking over too much. Like That's here's possible. here's kind of my character, you know. I've got creative latitude right around here, but I don't, I, and it'll impact all this. But I don't want to, I don't want to force myself upon all that. I don't know. Anyways, continue, please. So it's goofy, I, I guess, to me because part of me says that by doing it the way Zave is doing it, and some of the other gamers I've I've uh, played with over the years. They sit down, they have the character, they play true to character, they, <clears throat> they're working on that biography story more than the overall story. That's my job. Put together a series of events that are connected, that have some kind of a plot line they can figure out if it's a mystery, whatever. Um, but the they don't go in there to say, I want to tell the story about the time that I beat this dragon. I don't want to tell the story about the time that we did this very specific thing. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to tell this story. And I think that whenever I, as a game master, have come to the table with that in mind, tonight's going to be the night we tell this chapter about the time that X, Y, and Z occurred. Get on the Brett Railroad because I just fucking slammed you from point A to point B and no stops in between. Um, To me, the players, if they... And maybe some people do like that. Maybe they do. I, I don't know. And this is just something that's um, obviously it's not overly clear in my head. I've read this. Like I said, I read the thing that S. John put up and it's touched something in my mind that I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm not really gaming for the story insofar as we're going to tell a bunch of different, we're going to have some fun. We're going to uh, accomplish different things. We're going to go through different um, challenges, rewards, players will develop characters and, at the end of it, we're like, wow, that was a lot of fun. What did you guys do? Because if I look back to one of my major uh, fantasy campaigns I ran, both um, uh, Lenny and Beta, their characters went through, and they never designed this so that we're going to tell the story about how Newt Marigold and Beach of the Torturer become friends and eventually end up in this temple somewhere. They, there was no preconceived notion, and I think that Sometimes, some of the things I'm reading online, when we talk about wanting to make sure that everything's crystal clear with our players and we want to make sure that everything is totally out in the open, sometimes it's like you see everything behind the curtain. And we're like, we're going to tell a story tonight about the time that we played Monopoly because we're going to play Monopoly. Like, okay. It feels very scripted, I guess. Maybe that's the better phrase. I feel like um, if I focus on the story during my gameplay... I'm scripting it. And as soon as I start scripting it, I lose my players. Yes. Sean, you're just glaring at me like I'm an idiot. No. <laughs> I I think uh I think that so Tim brings up a good point and mentions this a little bit. I goes back and I mentioned this. Tim Jensen, he's over in our uh over in a little yeah. uh I, me- here for the live recording. I mentioned the story 
piece being, you know, it depends on the game you're playing. So the thing about Zave and doing what he's doing is that you could have games that incorporate that into how it's played. Um, so uh, one person could play, oh shit, I don't know. We compare games all the time, good or bad, different, whatever the case is. So, I mean, I think you get, and it depends, like you could be playing the same game, like two people could be playing Pathfinder and get want to get two different things out of the game. But the game itself doesn't facilitate certain concepts uh, better than other games or worse than other games, right? It's a different game. It's kind of like playing chess and Warhammer, right? Two different games. There's some strategy behind it. There's pieces that move different ways, you know, different power, whatever, different games, still a board, pieces, whatever. Same with role-playing games. If you are playing a game, so like maybe an powered by the apocalypse engine or fate that is more story-driven, maybe there is a, um, so with Zave's approach, maybe it would be more incorporated into the actual, the way the game runs and the rules and the mechanics that facilitate more of a story-based biography that he's looking for. Now, it's not to say he can't do it in Pathfinder or D&D 5e, because that's probably what he's using, or even Role Master, because I know he's a Role Master guy. But at the same time, it's almost kind of like an afterthought in some of those games. It's kind of an add-on. You're kind of like blocking it on there. You're doing it out of the role play piece of it because of the role play part of the game. I am playing a character and my character is going to do X, Y, and Z. You know, we, Brett, you and I, we play with four different people, five different people, and each one, uh, some play it, they, they ham it up a little bit more than others. Some, it's funny with our group because you get more, you get the spectrum kind of, I think. And that's not a good or bad thing. It's just kind of the way the players are is you get, one that isn't really big on RPG, and then you get one that's always kind of in the character, and then you get some in the middle. So I guess what I'm saying is that it going back to the the game that you want to play, the actual game, there's ones you can play and incorporate that as just kind of like your your shtick, your spiel as a player. Or there's an actual game that says this is how it's done, and the way it is done incorporates that as actually a part of the game and the way you play it. Right. So powered by the apocalypse, if you're going to do something like, and we bring up dungeon world because frankly, that's the one I'm most familiar with when it comes to the the apocalypse world, uh, apocalypse world. It's the only one I'm familiar with. Right. And, but I hope that changes someday. I actually want to get apocalypse world and look into it and all that stuff. But anyways, uh, there's one I'm, kickstarted which is like a cyberpunk one i'm really interested in getting anyways anyways is you talk in the narrative speak and so the mechanics are so simple and they're not really in the game right so if you want to do something there isn't a 30 foot move you just do whatever you want to say you do and then it's associated with a move and the move will tell you uh you roll you know 2d6 and the results will tell you with that move what what you're able to do. And it doesn't even tell you hard and fast. You kind of make it up. It's like you succeed with a drawback. So what is that? And then you, you explain it. So part of that goes to the story and the narrative where I think with some games, it, it isn't like that. You don't have to do that. And the game still continues, but you don't, I don't think it immerses you and really fleshes out the story elements as much as some other games. All right, I think I've talked so, for like five minutes. You're, you can no, okay. you can go now. You can go now, <laughs> that's Brett. That's okay. I think I ate up <laughs> over half the show so far. Anyway, does that make sense? Um, do, do, is, no, it does. Is no, it what does. I'm think... freaking saying? Can you understand the words that are coming out of <laughs> coming my mouth? Out of my mouth. Yes, I do. Um, so the other component of this is in the the compromises we have to make at the table, and compromises oftentimes are not just like, "Hey, um, somebody always likes to play the ninja. He's fine. He's a fucking ninja." You're going to have no ninjas, players, no pirates, no, no dinosaurs. Ninjas, no, pirates. <laughs> no dinosaurs. We learned that from uh, Alex. Alex Cameron, uh, game hole. Yes. So when I pick a game system to run with my group, <clears throat> I have a number of different players, as I've said, and I'm like, "Okay, is this game system going to fit?" all eight, nine, or ten of them, depending, usually about ten total I could play. 
is this going to fit the styles of the 10 players that I have? And that is a thing that stops me from grabbing onto different game systems. Because <clears throat> if it's if there's a game system that is really heavy mechanical and doesn't have a lot of role-playing opportunities and everything is very nitpicky, you know, <clears throat> very heavy, heavy, heavy in the mechanics, that's going to irk a number of my players. I got a couple other guys that totally get off on that, <clears throat> and they'll, they love it. However, is the game system I'm going to pick, if I play Role Master, all right, I could sign them up to play Role Master. A couple of them will take a deep breath and go, all right, Brett, I'll play Chart Master with you. I'll, I'll give it a go, but please, God, tell me this isn't going to last very long. Okay, promise it's not. It's going to be a short game. All right, fine. I'll play it just to say I played it. So, or do I do I take the game system and hack it up a bit or whatever? So I think what I'm getting at here is you're going to have players. I'm equivocating a bit here, folks, and I, and I know that around do I play for story or don't I? And I honestly don't have the absolute answer myself what I'm doing and if I am that guy. Um, but you're going to have somebody in your group who's kind of like S. John Ross and say, look, I don't give a fuck about the story. Whatever. Story's an artifact at the end of the game. I want to see what happens. If you send a thousand orcs in front of me, I will kill all thousand orcs. If you send a dragon after me, I'll kill the dragon. If you tell me I'm off and I'm hunting deep ones in Innsmouth, I'm hunting deep ones in Innsmouth. I'm, I'm a spy. Whatever. I don't care. I just want to have an entertaining evening with some fun stuff to do. I'm going to sink my teeth into it and go, but whatever. I'm not going to make story-based decisions for you. I'm not going to say, you know what? Um... I'm not going to let the bad guy just finish monologuing for a half hour because it's a really cool story moment. No, I'm going to shoot the fucker in the eye. That's what I'm going to do. No, that's, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen because no. you won't let that. That's, monologue that's a bad story. Monologue that's a bad is, story moment. Sean won't let you. Monologuing should be should trump everything. It uh-huh. it's it is any opportunity for the game master to stand up and just lecture. That's what we need. You gotta set the tone. You gotta set. You gotta set the kind of stage. I mean, what's a bad guy without a good monologue? I mean, he might as well just be some stooge that walks into you know a, a gunfight and just you know doesn't get to say anything, and gets shot and dead. Then what is there? Nothing. Fair enough. <laughs> come on, come on, you know, players. Come on. You know what I'm saying, though. You're gonna have those people in there. If you want to play a game like Fate, and the guy's like, I shoot the fucker. Okay, that's not I, how Fate works. I really got to play Fate. I mean, I own the damn game, and we I talk about it. You played, like, you I know played it. it at, you played it at I Gary Con. played it once. It was like Fate Accelerated, and it was, I mean, playing it at a con game for like three, four hours and Accelerated is, it, I mean, it's nothing. Like, you well, got to run like a five-session, you know, 20 hours. Yeah, yeah. Got to give it a good. Got to give it a good run. That should be a topic. How long or how how much do you have to play a game before, before you kind of determine if you like it or don't, well, or you understand really what it's all about? <laughs> Fair hey, enough. but going back to what you're saying, I agree. There's people that are like, dude, I don't give a shit about any of that crap, man. I just I got buddies of mine that are just like, I don't. They like gaming and they love getting together, but their whole spiel is. Uh, I like getting together with the friends and we kind of play and we roll dice and we've got this common bond and part of that's role playing and it's fun. We got a character and it's, that's it. If story comes from it, great. If they have combat, great. If it's, as long as they're enjoying themselves and enjoying the company, we razz each other like we normally do, then that's fine. They could, they could take all the hippy dippy story bullshit and throw it out the window for all they care. And that's their words, not mine. I just repeat them. <laughs> I'm just repeating. Yes, I'm repeating things that everyone has said to me often. <laughs> yeah, but I do. I do think, like, uh, you know, with with uh, who is it that wrote in? We were talking about earlier. Ah, shite. Um, talking about Eric Michael. Farmer? No, Michael. Where he says I buy a new system in large part because I want to find the bits I can scavenge for my games. Oh yes, 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 yes. You know, I think some of that goes into. This is all what what you want to get out of a game. Sit down with your damn players, figure out what the hell they want to do. And if they're all hip on something and guess what? Some aren't really going to, I think a lot of games today are run and played simply because there's maybe it's, there is a common knowledge of the game. So D and D is probably a 3000 pound gorilla and it's most known. So people play it because it goes back to, they play it for a variety of reasons, nostalgia. They know the rule system, uh, they like how things work in it, um, or it's just simply a game 
where everybody can agree upon. Like the tactile guy, tactile guy, uh, tact, tactile, the tactician, the tactician, you know, can get in there and, you know, move around and whatever. And then the other person can be, Hey, I'm going to do story and I want to, you know, incorporate a bunch of stuff. That's really cool for the story. And so it's kind of, you get the happy medium where it kind of covers everybody. Okay. No, I'm with you. I think, Honestly, one of the cool things that you did for before the our last <laughs> our recent D and D five E game that you kicked off was we did have the first session. All right, Steve, Brett, you know Jim, what do you guys want out of the game? And we said, I want to do this. I want to do that. And a couple of us said, I want to do cool ranger shit because I'm a ranger. I love rangers, and one of the reasons I want to do it is because I haven't played a ranger in a long time. And this is I said this. I want to do cool ranger stuff. This is neat. Yeah, I've got a cool background. I want to develop my character. I will dive in and follow the plot line that you throw in front of me, but I'm going to do cool ranger stuff. I should have so probably, probably, I should have probably hmm. noted some of those things. Probably should have. Hey, fucker. It was all in the moment. Now they're like, <laughs> the moment. whatever. What those guys say five sessions ago, piss on them. They're going this way. I'm mad or get on the train, bitches. That's right. <laughs> I can only have my train effect on this goddamn soundboard. It's pissing me off. I'm like, ah, <laughs> well, I don't have it. No. So it's goofy, but I think, so here's the deal. I think people will say, no, I like the story. The story is cool without fully understanding what some of the ramifications of that are. If you are gaming for story, in Brett's opinion, that means sometimes you're going to do something because it makes for a really cool story versus what I've heard other players do. My character wouldn't do that, which sometimes irritates, which is perhaps a different topic. Sometimes it irritates the piss out of people. Like, Look, I'm playing true to my character. I'll never, I mean, I'm not talking about the guy who's a, crazy ass motherfucker who's like the punisher and shoots everybody in the face um i'm just talking about somebody saying well you know what you know what sean i really your guy should leap across this chasm and do whatever go dude it says on my character sheet that i'm afraid of heights and i don't see a need first off to even jump across the chasm because i've got a better idea no 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 this would be a really cool story moment okay we don't use that language oftentimes in game but i think sometimes if you're focusing so much on the story at least from the game master's perspective, you end up coercing and forcing people into things that they may or may not be comfortable with because we need to have, as Sean did, that initial discussion and said, Brett, what are you playing for? You want to do cool ranger shit, Brett? Okay, cool. All right, as long as you're not a complete ass, Brett, and don't you know scuttle every plot line in front of me and say, oh, I'm sorry, that doesn't sound like cool ranger shit. I'm going over here where the cool ranger shit is. Well, I don't know if I remember saying this, but I should have said, what the hell does that mean? Right. Well, I mean, shit. Did I say that? You did. You did. Like, like, okay, oh, oh Ranger shit. All right, Boromir. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> shit. Boromir. It's Aragorn, you dumb fuck. I don't know. Anyway. Who is that? Who is that? Is that the Get guy out, in, uh, out, out, is that in Harry Potter? Is that Harry Potter's sidekick? Why, why do I talk to you? I don't understand this Person crap. It's my head so much. Anyway. Yeah, <sighs> so, right. Story. I got it. I think it's... Uh, I think that it's I think like I said, man, I think it's all about oh, so if we say okay, what's story? So you got the definitions there, an account of imaginary or real people and events told for entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I think comes after the fact, right? Because you tell about the story and the events, imaginary people or real people, right? You're doing so it. You're kind of building it, maybe, and then it it you give birth to a story at the end. You fart, you the, fart a story at the end of the I, RPG. I think that's the, the, the key or operative piece here is it's post-fact. It's an account of past events is what happens. Yes. So, yeah, you should do some cool shit. Don't be a dumbass as a player and don't be a dumbass as a game master and not have cool stuff happen right. or don't ignore the cool stuff. However, in my opinion, it shouldn't be because, well, I want to make sure we have a good story at the end because that's an odd thing. To me, it, it it feels like it's this weird governance body that hangs over you. Just well, it go, is look, meta. Playing, it's it's meta, hmm, right? It's totally meta. Yeah. But the other piece is like, look, I'm here to play the game, and we're playing Dungeons and Dragons. We're playing Star Wars, and I'm a goddamn Jedi. We're playing Star Wars, and I'm a undercover Sith Lord. I'm fucking force choking some bastard at some point because that's me, and this is going to be cool. I don't care that it makes for a good story. I want to play the character. And I want to do exciting, entertaining things within that parameter. By doing that, you're going to end up with a cool story, right? So even if you don't like it, and at the end of it, you're like, look, I never, I don't care. You guys could tell the story all day long. I don't give a shit. 
that's fine. But I think having it feel like a governing body over the top of my head, at least for me as a game master, maybe this is just Brett's personal stupid fucking hang up. <laughs> but when I do, if I worry about that too much as I'm game mastering, I fuck up my game every time. Yeah. Screw gotta, it, man. I got to push, push that off to the side and just go, you know what? I'm going to fucking game. Yeah. Story's an artifact at the end, and I'm cool with that. GMs get caught up with too much bullshit. Just just put it out there. Let the players give them the options. Let the players do their thing. And at the end, it, it'll be cool or not. And it'll be, you know, something you want to shit can or something that'll be talked about for years to come. I don't know. Or not. I don't know. But I do agree. Sometimes. I agree with you, man. It's this governance bullshit that doesn't need to be around. Just play the game. <laughs> Do your thing based on what you what you feel as though you want to do, and and it all hey hey, it'll all work itself out. It'll totally work itself out. It'll, it'll work. So itself the, the out. cool piece though is that I shouldn't say the cool, but there's one of the pieces that is really cool about current game master help. Right when you read articles and stuff, people are, hey take this take this um um story beat concept. Take this concept of how um authors and directors and other writers have developed things to help you in different aspects. Yeah. So you could what? be like every other story author and everything else. <laughs> like, yes. Hey, you want your shit to be exactly like Lord of the Rings, man, read those books and do a friggin' adventure just like that. But <laughs> we started. That's a, extent- right. that's a, we're extensible here. Extensible. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what I'm saying though, is that, I think when we when we read those bits of advice, I know and I'm guilty of this. I read this stuff or I see it. I go, you know what? I really want to make sure I do these, like I said earlier, these 15 things. Dude, well, back at the fuck off. Is there anything broken with your game right now? Am I doing anything wrong insofar as is anybody not having fun? No. Well, because you you make people have fun. You, you, you know, well, you thump people well, over the head and shit. You threaten them with violence. Well, yeah. Don't well, you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried that because I don't think I can back it up. Well, was I don't have anyway, the, I don't um, have the belt rank you do. Oh, whatever. Anyway, I don't honestly threaten a lot of people all the time. Don't let them bullshit you. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna record us one of these times. He won't even know, and then I'll put it out <laughs> there, people. Great. I'll put it out there. I am. Rec- we are recording it now. Oh, you're talking about in the game? In oh, the, the game? game in the game? Oh, fuck! That's not good. My lawyer all told right, me anyway. he needs proof. Anyway, he needs something to take to court with him. None of this word uh, crap. Anyway, what I what I'm trying to say is that if there's nothing wrong with your game and you're like, look, we always end up with a really cool story afterwards, you know, people after the end of it go, boy, that was a great game, Sean. We had a lot of fun. I like the time we we stormed this bandit thing. Hey, we had a cool remember the freaking wild boar that damn near killed Austin because Austin wouldn't sleep in, in the tents because he forgot a tent and he was gonna be tough ass paladin sleeping in a ditch somewhere. And he got mauled to hell. That's a funny event. It's a cool story. At least for those of us who were there, doesn't it's not funny to anybody else. But don't worry about implementing all the different story ideas and concepts that you're going to read about from the different components. Game Master's help. At least, again, to me, don't do that, Brett, because when you do that, you fuck your story. And the other piece is that, at the end of the day, the story you're telling is only good for the men and women that you're playing with. Very rarely is the story that you're telling at the post, whatever the artifact you generate at the end of it, is it such that you're going to say, wow, that's really good. Now a thousand other people are going to read the same thing that we just did and have a lot of fun with it. It's a very personal thing. So as long as you guys are having fun with it and, you know, playing your characters and, you know, solving problems, exploring and doing all that cool shit, you're going to have a cool artifact. There's going to be a cool story at the tail end of it. That's, I guess, where I'm going. As long as you're having fun, right? As long as as you're having fun. As long as as you're having fun or I have to force you to have fun. Whichever (laughs) happens first. (laughs) Ah, shit. Do you game for story? What does that mean to you? Let us know at Misdirected Mark. No, don't do that. No, 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 no. If it's bad, (laughs) Phil and Chris at Misdirected Mark. No, seriously, though, I'm pretty sure that this is one of those topics. Every once in a while, Sean, I'll I'll pick one of these that I don't know where I want to take it. I don't know the ins and outs of it. There's something visceral in me that's saying, am I really gaming for story? Am I focusing too heavily on it? And I know like um, like Tim Jensen said in, in, the, in the comments on the side, you know, different games do different things differently, right? I, I mean, obviously, Dungeon World is more narrative than D&D. 
if fate is more narrative than world of darkness and so on. However, <clears throat> is that, is that, does it fit your group? Does it not fit your group? Does it fit your play style? Uh, and so on. So I'd like to, I seriously would like to hear what some of the listeners have to say about it. Cause I'm pretty sure I'm off or I'm missing some point. That's just, I probably touched it on the periphery, but I just haven't been able to grab don't, onto it. Don't be so hard on yourself, man. Don't make me hit you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait, what? Oh, damn it. I said it again. <laughs> All right. Now uh, let's get into the roll. Die roll. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to your attention. Brett has two this week. I have three. Brett, right. you want to start as always? Yes. So she's a super geek. It's a live play podcast that showcases women as GMs. Um, Chris and Phil over at Misdirect and Mark brought this one to my attention. Um, sasgeek.com. Check them out. It looks pretty cool. I've got a couple of my podcasts. I've got a few others I need to catch up on first, and then I'll get into this. But, uh, you know, if the Misdirect and Mark guys think it's good, that means it's probably a pretty good, uh, probably a pretty damn good podcast. So I'd say give it a listen. So <clears throat> speaking of different things around – we have uh, we've chatted about the whole be a better role player type of thing uh, back in episode 50. And Kevin Lovecraft pointed this out to me. There is an article on it's a 11 ways to be a better role player. I've got a link in the show notes. Kevin posted up on our Google Plus community. It's an older article, I think I want to say from a couple years ago. And I recall reading. It's a lot of fun. It's a really cool. It's a really cool article. Fun to read. Take a look at it. Eleven ways to be a better role player. It's a fun. It's a fun little bit. Should be fifty. Mandatory. Mandatory. Eleven ways. Fifty. Should be fifty. Fifty nice. ways to be a better role player. All right, Sean. Back to you, sir. Number one, geek and sundry. Five great one night RPGs. Quoting from the article. Sometimes campaign play may be impractical or sometimes you don't want to make the time commitment necessary for a traditional RPG. Don't worry, there are games that allow you to still enjoy a role-playing experience in a single night. Here are a few of our faves. Link in the show notes. Nice. What else you got? Numero dos. Want to write for Gygax Magazine? We're accepting submission ideas for issue seven. All game systems are welcome. We think of Gygax Magazine as a game accessory, so the best submissions will be playable content, things to help you with your game, alternate rule ideas, settings, and the like. You can email Dijin, or Jin, D-J-I-N-N, as a Nancy Nancy, at GygaxMagazine.com, or ask me anything here as well. I found this on a Facebook group by, I believe, Jason Elliott, who I believe is the editor of Gygax Magazine. Very nice gentleman. I believe he is. I had uh, my buddies and I from Dark Theater advertised in a couple of their issues. Very nice, very nice folks. And I've met Jason. It is a closed group, so unless you have Facebook, uh, like it's not public, so you have to actually have a Facebook account to access this post, but link in the show notes. Um, by all means, check her out. D Number three, D&D 5E Tools by Lugrin. Includes treasure generator, NPC name generator, player character, personality generator, trinket generator, and much more. It's uh, not a big flashy, um, it's not going to be really awesome, cool flashy app, but very practical and useful for people that would like to take a look at that by all means. Utilitarian is good when it comes to this type of thing. That's yes. nice. And I'll post these for some of the folks to take a look at. But anyways, that's uh, that's all I had for this evening. Is anything from you, Bradster? No, just want to thank our other BSers, Joe Swick, Kev Thulu, and Jeff Rademacher for uh, being patrons. So thank you guys very much. I appreciate it. As well as some of our other patrons. Absolutely. Patrons. Yes. All right, yeah, so story, let us know. Hey, and, hey, hey, if you like this show, if, hell, if you don't like this show and you don't like me or Brett, tell Listen. somebody else. Tell somebody, like, I don't like these two guys. You got to listen to them. 
don't, don't it, tell me. You'll crack. You'll crack my fragile ego. I won't help. All right. But otherwise, let them know about us. See and have them make a judgment on their own. Uh, other than that, I'm one of your hosts, Sean, and I'm Brett. Thanks for listening. Good game and all.